I want to like just talk a little bit. I hear this question a lot. Hey, Slavik, what is the vision for our youth ministry? Like, and we're like, it's easy. You just, we want people to grow in the relationship with Christ. But they're saying like, yeah, but practically, what does that look like? So I want to speak for about 30 minutes or so. I'm going to speak on, on the subject. What is the vision? What's the purpose behind what we do? Why do we do what we do? Um, hopefully that answers some of your questions. As you've noticed, we kind of changed some things around. We used to start, um, you know, at, at 7.45. Uh, we technically told you that it was 7.30, but we had 15 minutes of fellowship. We actually are starting now at 7.30 exactly. And um, we want you to, if, you, if you're here for an hour and a half, we really want to, to honor that. We want to make sure that your time is not wasted um, and your time that you are here. Um, you know, we're not, we're not dragging it. We, we are just here to worship God and, and study His Word and pray. And we don't want to, you know, start late or end late. Or, um, so that's something that I wanted to mention right off the beginning. But if you have your Bibles, would you open to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5, this is a story about Jesus encountering uh, Peter, and as you guys probably already know, it was actually Andrew who kind of introduced Peter to Jesus. And what happened there was that, you know, Peter saw Jesus once and, and you know, actually told his brother. But this one particular account that we see here is um, Jesus calling Peter to follow after him. It says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shores of Sea of Galilee, uh, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty bo boats on the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them where they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, this is Simon Peter, push into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. By now, you guys probably kind of get the picture. Jesus comes, sees two empty boats, gets in one of them, and Simon Peter pretty much pushes Jesus into the water, and he starts to teach the crowds. He goes on to say, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets to catch some fish, which is okay. That's what fishermen do, right? They, they catch fish. But this is particularly troubling because Peter spent the whole night, the whole night trying to catch fish, and he didn't get anywhere. He didn't catch any fish. Have you ever stayed up the whole night, and somebody tries to, like, in the morning, like, be all exciting? You're like, what's going on with you? Because you're extremely, you know, you're tired, and you're like, I was up the whole night. If you spend, you know, the whole night trying to figure out a problem in your homework and it's not going anywhere, it's even more frustrating, right? Like last night, I stayed up until like three or four. I was trying to pass a test. This, this test had 180 questions. Who puts 180 questions in a test? Like I still don't get that, but like 180 questions and like these are really, it took me four hours to go through that test, right? That's why, I mean, I, I was up until 4 a.m., and once I got done, I submitted, and I'm like, yes, I'm finally done. And then I realized it's 62% that I didn't pass. And needless to say, I was frustrated. But it is frustrating, right? When you spend the whole night trying to get something done, 
just realized that all your work has been in vain. You didn't really pass. Now I have to do it all over again, probably on a different night, and hopefully I pass. And, and, and here, we're not talking about just passing a test. Peter, that's how he is, is kind of how he is uh, providing for his family. And the whole night, he didn't, ca- he didn't caught anything. He didn't catch anything. So, so think about this. Like, and then Jesus looks at him and says, oh, yeah, well, all you have to do is just go a little bit where it's deeper and you just drop your net you're going to get. And Peter's just like, seriously? As if we didn't do this the whole night. So he goes on to say this. He goes, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, Man, you have to have some trust here, right? Like, if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought his partners into the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. That's some drastic contrast here, right? Like, (laughs) didn't catch anything, and then... Jesus speaks, they go, and now they're two boats, and they're about to sink but they're, because they're full of fish. That's like a lottery win, if you ask me. When Simon Peter realized what ha- had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he, he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. It's an amazing story if you think about it, but I'm sure that you've had at least one time in your life where either you spent the whole night and you were like, hey, this, is, this was in vain. Or maybe you were going somewhere and you got lost and you spent three hours trying to get back where you got some, into some traffic. I've actually had that recently happen to me where I got lost on this military base. I've, I think I've, I've told you guys before and it literally took me like an hour to get out. And it was the most frustrating thing because every single time I tried to get out, there was another like gate and I couldn't get out. And I, I got to a point where I was a little bit desperate, like trying to get out. And you get to a point, you're like, I don't know if I can do this any longer. But I think what's even worse is when you try really hard to serve, you know, be it in the youth ministry where you're trying to walk with the Lord and it seems like your efforts doesn't really produce anything. Been there? When you're trying so hard to make your block work or your small group work and there are still three people that show up. <laughs> well, one of them is you, but... <laughs> Right? Like, it's so hard to, to kind of do all this work and at the end of the day, still not really have anything to show for your labor. So, what's the problem? Because a lot of times in these moments, you know what we would say? What's the point of even trying? But you know how you can actually get into one of these situations? When you don't even plan to succeed. I want to suggest to you that maybe sometimes we are focusing on the wrong things, and because we are focusing on the wrong things is why we end up with the results that we have. You see, every single time I got lost, it wasn't because, you know, the roads are just bad. 
It was because I wasn't paying attention to directions. It was because I was making choices along the, the way that led me to that situation. Either I left too late and I was frustrated and where I was on my phone. I know you're supposed to, not supposed to do that when you drive, but it's so tempting, right? Like, you know, like you look at your phone and then you realize, oh, what, was I supposed to take that exit? Was I not supposed to take that exit? But imagine if you actually went on a trip and you're like, I'm not sure where I'm going, but I'm just going to go. Well, chances are you're probably going to get lost a lot quicker because you have no, no direction on where you're going. How, so, and when you get there, how are you going to know you got there? Like, for example, if I were to take a road trip to L.A., the way I know that I got to L.A. is because I'll probably see a whole bunch of signs that say L.A. in 20 miles and then L.A., Los Angeles, and you'll see the signs that say, hey, this is Los Angeles. But if I'm going to L.A. and somehow I see some signs that say New York, maybe I took some wrong turns. If I went to, you know, I always say that, hey, you know, go up north, but if you got to Canada, you went too far, come back. Right? Like, if you were supposed to go to Seattle and you start seeing Canada signs, signs meaning that, like, okay, you're, Canada is in 10 miles, we probably went too far. But I think what's happening with us when following God is we don't really know, you know, we don't really have goals. How many of you sat down and said, okay, these are my spiritual goals for this year? And if you don't have goals, how, how, how are you going to know you, you, if you got there or not? How many of us sit down and say, this year, I want to get further with my relationship with Christ? But how would you know if you did? So this is where life missions and, you know, churches have mission statements, you know, um, that, that pretty much tell us, hey, this is our goal. This is the purpose of, of why we exist. So I thought of, what are the goals of this youth ministry? What are the goals that we want to set for us to reach? How do we know that we are successful in doing this? Because it seems like everyone, you know, everyone goes to service, and then I grew up for the last, you know, 10 years or so that I've seen a whole bunch of friends that I went to church with, and at a given moment, they just completely left the church, left the faith, left everything. Where I've seen people whose lives completely collapsed. People that went a completely different direction that they were supposed to go in. So how do we make it so it's practical? How do we make it so we know? Well, I kind of tried to, to kind of figure out, okay, what would be one thing that we can, one sentence that I can put the whole goal of our church or our, our youth ministry? Now, if you're going to go to South Campus, they might have a little bit of something different, but like just for us here, what do we do here? Why do you come here every single Friday? Why do I ask you to go there on Wednesday? And the best, best that I could come up with is this. We exist, and our purpose is that everyone, that means it doesn't matter of race, color, it doesn't matter of background, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, if you're, it doesn't matter, everyone. Our purpose for everyone to know God, so four things, to know God, live in freedom, that's going to be the second thing. The third thing is to discover purpose. 
And the last thing is to make a difference. We cannot live in this world with goals that are basically that we can achieve in two days. We have to set our sights bigger than just day-to-day things. I heard the story of, like, there's this one specific bird, I don't know which one it is, but, like, this one specific bird that it's having a really hard time actually taking off and flying straight up in the air, so it actually has to have a, what's it called, a, some, some, um, some distance for it to actually start flying. So if you were to take this bird and put it in, in, in a bucket, you'll never get out. Because he constantly is looking for a way to get out, but it doesn't consider to actually go up. It goes in circles. And I think a lot of times we are so focused on, on goals that are around us, and we're like, okay, maybe I'll try my career to be, you know, really, to, to, be, to be passionate about what I do in my career. And you see that, that once you get that job, once you get that, you know, the, the, paycheck, it still doesn't satisfy. And maybe you, you're going to go to a different thing. Okay, I have to be, become really popular. And then you start doing that and you realize, okay, that's not satisfying, you know, this desire that I have. And then you constantly look for all these things. And at the end of the day, you realize that nothing, nothing around you really satisfy. We have to look up. No matter how you put it, in every single person, there is this quest uh, Pascal said that there's, in every single person, there's a God-shaped vacuum. Meaning that there's a hole in our hearts that if we don't know God, if, we, if, it, if God doesn't fit in this hole, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those, those um, little things that kids play with, and it's a, like you have these objects like a star or a circle or like a cube, and they specifically go, and, and you can see a kid, right, that t- has like a, a shape like a star shape, and it's constantly put, trying to put it in like a square shape, you know? Like, so it's, it's this box that has all these shapes, and the star has to go where the star is, and then the square has to go where the, where the cube has to go where the square is. And this kid, like I've seen this before, where the kid is so frustrated, trying to, trying to make it work, but he's doing this in the wrong hole, right? Like he's, he's hitting the star with a cube, and it, just, it doesn't get anywhere. And I think a lot of times we kind of are like that in our spiritual life or in our lives. You know, we try to fit something that God says, okay, nothing in this world can satisfy except God, a relationship with God. And we try to fit in, okay, well, what about money? Can I, can I make money satisfy that feeling? No, you can't because money was never designed to satisfy this craving uh, for, for eternity, this craving that we have to have a relationship with God. We have to know God. And it turns out at the end of our lives, that's all that's going to matter is do we, do we know God and did he know us? So what do we do here at Sit in the Hill? We try to provide an environment for people to know God. Knowing God takes shape in different forms. God will, 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 will reveal himself to you through different ways. He'll reveal himself through, you know, the scripture. My Bible's in here somewhere. I think I left it in the office. But, but he'll, there's scripture. He'll reveal himself through scripture. He'll reveal himself through nature. He'll reveal himself through godly friends that will speak truth into your life and, and will point you into a direction towards him. Uh, I've heard this said that gospel, the gospel, it's nothing else other than a blind man telling another blind man 
or a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. So what we do here at City on the Hill, we encourage people to know God. We allow God to be, you know, to, to use our mouthpiece to speak into your life. We allow God to, to use our bodies to be able to hug someone that's in distress, to comfort them in the, the, the day of, you know, of their distress. And we, we are here to rejoice with those who have just passed our test, because I didn't yesterday, but you can pray for me later. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you are called to not only receive this, but also give this. That's why I take very seriously when we do ministry. And that could take form of, we, if your small group is meeting up at 8 o'clock in the morning at Panera Bread, and all you do is have coffee, and you, you know, we, we, we want to support that. On Friday nights, I, I really encourage everyone to be here. Why? Because this is kind of like the celebration service where all the blocks come together and we pray and we, we declare God's sovereignty over our lives. But you see, you might not be speaking here on stage, but when you step into here, there's a whole bunch of people that need to hear from God. And God might use your voice to speak in that person's life. God might use your body to hug someone and show them what true love is and, and be that family they never had. God might use your feet to walk towards that person that doesn't really have any friends, but it's going to require for you to be present. Oh, I'm not going to be a youth Friday because, you know, I'm not doing anything this Friday on stage. That's not the point. God put you here because your presence alone sometimes ministers. So, so what we do, we want people to know God, and that takes in so many different, we have classes, we have baptism, we have all these things that we do to make sure that people know God. The next thing is this, we want people not just to find freedom, but to live in freedom. There's a powerful verse that talks about this, and he says, uh, Galatians 5, 1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and not get tied up again in slavery of the law. So slavery can be of two different kinds. It could be slavery to sin, to pornography, to addictions, slavery to, to, to drugs, alcohol, to self-image. Like it could be an addiction to that. It could be that kind of uh, slavery, where you could be a religious guy, that you were, you were a slave to the law. They're like, all people are this. They're not doing this right. And they're not doing... You could be a slave, a legalistic slave in religion. And Apostle Paul says, Christ has set you free to be free from all pornography and all addictions and all sin and, you know, uh, self-image and, and, you know, being important, all, all those things and pride. And you can also be free from the religious mindset. As long as I pray three hours a day, I'm good. As long as I do this. As, no, that's not what God has called you to. God asked you to walk in freedom with him, in relationship with him. And freedom is every day. It's not something that you just find and you're just kind of like, okay, well, we're here. 
Freedom, you have to exercise that freedom every single day because if you give into one thing, it's going to start to spread its, its, its web of lies around you. Sometimes I go into, because I never actually really got drunk, and I go into a, a gas station, and sometimes I have these, like, these, these th- thoughts in my mind. They're like, hey, just get drunk once. You at least need to know, like, you need to, to, to know what it's like at least. And then the Holy Spirit quickly speaks to me and says, right now, you can walk away and not think twice about this. But if you start, there might come a time, there might come a time that you're going to try to quit and you won't be able to. Because it's going to be so, this thing has so wrapped around you that you no longer are free. Food is a great thing. But some people you know, what, they, what they've done is they allowed food to control them. Either too much food or, you know, not enough, like bulimia and all these, those things. Drugs are actually, don't quote me on this, because I don't want an amazing thing. There's people, they're, they're in a lot of pain, and drugs help to alleviate that pain. But when you start abusing that, when you start to, to do it just, just for, for that, it, it, you will destroy your life. Walk in freedom from those things. Walk in freedom from, you know, being at church and singing worship and praying and studying the Word is an amazing thing. Unless you're like, well, today I spent five hours studying the Bible. And, and like the other day, well, why can't people just get it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm important, and they aren't. And uh, the way I do Christianity, and you, you fall into this like legalistic mindset, and that in itself is also slavery. We want you to know God. We want you to walk in freedom. The third thing is this. We want you to discover your purpose. The reason people are so, you know, in, in, in their sins and their problems because they don't really know a lot of times where they're going. If you want to get to L.A., you better set in your GPS Los Angeles, USA. If you want to be free from all these things, it's not about running away from those things because if you run away from that, you're going to find yourself in legalism. I, I, I've seen so many times where people just get out of pornography, get out of like a life of drug addiction, and then they join this camp. And they become the, 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 the guy with the Bible. And like, well, you know. I remember one time I was preaching and I walked out and there was this girl, they had her Bible, and I was like, so welcome to our church. And he's like, well... I don't agree with everything that you said, but, um, and just walked away. And I was like, okay, well, good to see you too. Hey, and they leave that lifestyle and they give into this other slavery where it's like, it's all, well, how important I am and this and that. And, and you're like, no, you're not that important. Trust me. We want you to discover your purpose. And what is the purpose? Purpose is where exactly are we going here? What, are, what exactly are we called to do? Well, <laughs> what, what we're called to do is the great commandment and the great commission. The great, great commandment says this, love the God, your Lord, with all your heart, your mind, your strength, all those things, and love your neighbor as yourself. John talks about how 
you know, they will know that you are my disciples. Or Jesus said that in John, that the way you know that they are my disciples is the way they love one another. So what we do at Sit in the Hill, we want you to know the Lord. We want you to find freedom and live in freedom. We want you to discover your purpose, and that is to, to know how to love one another. That, that's, that's kind of what Jesus came here for, is to have fellowship with one another. If you guys remember camp, there was a whole sermon on that, to have fellowship with one another. To take that a step further, in Romans 8, 28, he says that he's called us. And for those who, for those who you know, love Christ, love Jesus, Anything that we do, God will work for our good. And he says, because we are called according to his purpose. Not, his purpose is for us to become like Christ. We are called to love one another like Christ has loved us. By loving one another, we become more like him. And we have to pursue that. And the, the second part of this is this, that we are called to the Great Commission, and that is to preach the gospel everywhere that we go. We are called to be witnesses to what God has done in our lives. But obviously, to be a witness, you have to witness something, right? God has not called you to be a lawyer. God has not called you to be like, thou shalt not, like, you know, use this like lawyer language. God has called you to say, hey, I know you're struggling right now, but I've been through this myself, and God is giving me a new hope, and he's giving new passion, and I don't know what else I can say right now, but I, this is the difference that he's made in my life, and I hope, I hope that you can encounter him too the way I encountered him. That's what God has called you to do, and when you go to your blocks and your small groups, all I'm asking you to do is to share what God has done in your life, but obviously, there has to be something that God has done in your life. The reason Amanda was here, I was like, guys, I gotta tell you so much. I'm not trying to channel you here, but like, like God has done so why? Because she experienced this this whole week. When you experience what God, you're not gonna have to sit down, okay, what am I gonna talk about? You'll come naturally. Why? Because you've experienced that. Have you ever had to wonder if some if two people are in love? Because they can't stop talking about it. Unless they obviously keep it secret. But like, and you're like, dude, you got to turn down your PDA here. Like, this is way too much. Like, you guys just, you know, your public display of affection needs to come way down, right? If you're excited, have you, have you ever seen, have you ever wondered if someone's excited about Seahawks? Especially if they're winning? Oh, you know. You're probably annoyed by it, because I am a lot of times, where I'm trying to talk to someone, at a, and then somebody yells in your ear, and I'm like, bro, inside voices, like, you don't have, like, this is not the stadium, I know you're inside of the house, there's people here, but they're excited, and they probably didn't even think about this, like, they, they got to keep their voice down. People that have experienced something majestic, so you, don't have, you don't have to ask them to prepare, all that, it just naturally flows. In the four minutes we have left, I want to kind of land on this. The fourth thing that God has called us to is to make a difference. So we as a youth ministry are called to know God, to find freedom and live in freedom, to, to know our purpose or discover our purpose, and to make a difference. 
Trust me, if you do these things, if you do these things, you will make a difference. If you start to know God, if you start to know God, your life will never be the same. If you choose to live in freedom every single day and you will not allow anything to master you, you will make a difference. People will look at your life and say, I don't know what's about you, but your life is different than anybody that I know. You have an ease about you that I can't explain. The way you love people, the way you care about people, I cannot wrap my head around it. You will discover your purpose. But you have to place yourself in an atmosphere that fuels that. If you're not here on Friday, if you're not a, a, a small group on, on Wednesday night, if you're not hanging out with, with people who can speak life into you, you're not putting yourself in a position that God would speak to you. If you're not opening the Bible, if you're not having your devotion time, if you're not having your worship time in the car, and then you're going to be 60, 70, 80 years old and wander back, what was my life about? I love this story because Peter is so frustrating because maybe, maybe the reason sometimes we're so frustrated is because we've, putting, we've been putting our efforts into things that are not really where our efforts should be. You're not, don't put your efforts in systems that don't work. Put your effort in getting to know God. That means in your devotion, your scripture reading, in your worship, in your hanging out with godly people, in your Friday services, into your Sunday services, into Wednesday, uh, you know, uh, small groups. Choose every single day to walk in freedom. I will not allow alcohol to take over my life. I will not allow my self-image to, I will not allow my pride. I will constantly rebuke if I have to, the, 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 the enemy. I'm constantly going to like discipline my body to make sure that it follows, uh, follows in, in the footsteps of, of Christ. And I will pursue to discover and walk in my purpose. And as I'm doing this, I will be making a difference. It's amazing to see that Peter, at the end of his life, he's crucified upside down. And we, we talk about, I think there's been at least a billion sermons about him so far. And he thought that his business is important. You know that business that he didn't catch anything? The whole night? He encounters Jesus. Not only he has two vessels filled with fish, but now he has a calling. The generation after generation will be talking about his name. That is some amazing calling. I can spend my time focusing on the test that I didn't pass last night or the exam that I didn't pass last night. Where I can say, that's just a pee in the pod. That's not a big of a deal. Because I know even if I failed at that, I'm called to a greater thing here. Your business will flourish. Your career will flourish. Test God on this. I, I challenge you. Your relationship will flourish when you put the kingdom of God first. 
Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you and inspire you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you share it with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.